This is Three People in Your Head. A podcast about getting the best out of yourself and others. Co-hosted by John Fleming and myself, Matt Taylor. This is part two of a panel discussion where instead of having three of us in your head, there's going to be seven of us. We have facilitated a very timely panel discussion on what TA might have to say about the COVID-19 pandemic. For the first part, please go to the previous episode we published. This panel is made up of teaching and supervising transactional analysts across the four fields of application in TA. We have Anna Chandy, Trudy Newton, Adrian Lee, Thorsten Geck and Giles Barrow. When I'm hearing all this, what's the word that's coming to me is cohabitate. Are we or do we need to relearn how to cohabitate with nature? Because as per the reports, you know, the virus is mutating and it's going to be there for the next 18 to 24 months. And really, to me, it's about cohabitating with the virus and in a way, accepting that the uncertainty is the reality and moving forward. Interesting when you say that, Anna, because what was stimulated in me then was, is the virus trying to teach us something in a more literal sense? (laughs) Because obviously all that we're talking about is what we're learning from the virus, but is it trying to teach us how to cohabitate? Are we flying less planes? Are we traveling less? Are we staying more in our place? And is that the lesson that the virus is teaching us? I think that would be that kind of transition or transformation. I'm not comfortable with the term the virus is teaching us because that is just a tiny and a dangerous bit so far of something around But in terms of teaching, I think what we learn from that, I think that starts the transition Adrian was talking about earlier. I think what comes to me when I was listening to what Anna was saying is, of course, it's a metaphor to say (laughs) it's the virus teaching us something. Um, But I think what it might be teaching us might be respect in many different ways. Respect for the natural world and alongside respect for each other, for all the different communities and different ways of life that are being affected by COVID. Seems like that's maybe it's something we need to learn, but also could be something that we might be being taught. Just playing with what you said, Anna, that's um, as far as I know. It's interesting for me, Trudy, um, probably a difficulty in the language. I like to be more learned from something than be taught at. So maybe that was responding to when I heard that. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree with you, of course. It's my whole world is that it's about learning rather than about being taught. Um, but just the, that idea, when Anna spoke it, there's a usefulness in that idea, I think. Charles, do you have a response? Can, you can sense my agitation from there, John, can't you? Um, I was going to... Coming back to the are we being taught, your comment, John, is um, yeah, I'm mindful of what Trudy was saying some time ago about the virus and how it's behaving. And I find it quite tempting to get into the metaphoric language about what we're being taught or learning. What certainly seems to be happening is there is a corrective, you know, at a biological 
level, there is a corrective going on. And uh, as organisms, as fellow organisms, we may well behave differently now as a result of this corrective. Now, you know, that's without the idea of some hidden puppeteer or some kind of consciousness, but certainly that seems to be going on. I'm at risk here of, of perhaps going down a bit of a rabbit hole around this to learn or to be taught by. I'm going to just try this out. Um, we, we've talked about some respect that we might be learning. And Trudy was talking about how we may be realizing as, a, as human beings, we are relatively small in the broader natural sphere. I think sometimes, I'll just try this out. I think sometimes surrendering to something that is, if you like, bigger than me is no bad thing. And it's an experience in which I do get talked by that sometimes what happens is my life is interrupted in a way that's often uninvited. I don't want it, but nevertheless, the teacher turns up and in his or her interruption of my life, I have the opportunity through encounter of, if you like, being new again in the world. And the, the teacher, if you like, brings something of their presence out of me that I would not otherwise have found. I'm putting in a bid here to talk about the significance of being talked by, even when I necessarily didn't want it, need it, or notice it. But I just put that out there. I see Adrian's waving. Oh my goodness, Anna is as well. So I'll just mute my. Well, yeah, I mean, this comes back really to what I was saying earlier about our need to accept rather than move on. And it is about. And you use the word, it is about surrender. Yeah. And is, there's something about the, the willingness to dissolve, <laughs> which will enable whatever else is to come. Now, I'm not going to get into the kind of learning, teaching argument here, because I think it's, um, you know, if I'm coming from the, the psychotherapeutic perspective, it's another process. It's not just learning it is closer to what you're saying about encounter it is about how i reverberate somehow with where i am in my life and the people who are there and what sense i make of that and i can't make sense of something until i have fully engaged in the experience of it otherwise i accept somebody else's formulation of what that experience is and so I, I'm really up for surrendering. I'm up for, for going for it fully and trusting, trusting that new meaning and new script or new newness will come out of that. <laughs> um, I also like the word surrendering and the, what comes to my mind, to the top of my mind is the serenity prayer. And earlier we spoke about faith and in a way, faith and acceptance of not being in control and in a way going with the flow and participating and engaging with the emergence of what is emerging. And to me, even that is going to be dynamic. It's not that something's going to emerge and it's going to be static. It's just dynamic as in flow. I'm, I'm still sort of pondering on, on what Giles was saying. And, and this is very emergent. I'm not quite sure what it is I want to say. But there's something about 
we are not ever just ourselves isolated. We may think we are, but we're not. And nothing can happen unless we're in relationship with a person, a world, or whatever, because everything happens. It's, I will confess here that I'm currently editing a, an article for TAJ, which is about inactivism, which was a new word to me. I don't know whether you've come across it, but basically inactivism is saying that everything happens in a dynamic between people, circumstances, whatever. And I was relating that back to thinking about the teaching learning dyad and sometimes the necessity of teaching. We talk a lot about how we're learning and taught kind of gets a, a bad press. But there is also a responsibility in any kind of relationship. Otherwise, how would kids ever grow up knowing anything? So, as I said, I'm not quite sure what I'm saying here, but there's, there's something about focusing on the we. I think Anna said that earlier. And on the constant dynamics that just take life forward all the time. This goes back to previous conversations that Giles and I have had about the teacher and the responsibility of the teacher and how that needs not to be abdicated. Can I ask a question to you TA teachers then? What do you think the responsibility is of TA, of the TA teachers in this process of encounter, learning, and a more global sense? I I'd start that one off by something about increasing awareness. Because I think TA is the most amazing system for enabling people to get some insight into what makes people tick and what, what makes yourself tick. So I think TA can offer a lot in actually giving people the opportunity to understand what's going on for themselves and what's going on between people, what happens under stress and in crisis. We do have lots of tools for making that more overt and more understandable. So that would be my first thought, that, that I don't know any other system like TA that can actually offer a way of getting a handle on ordinary events and global events. Yeah, um, that is a very interesting question. So it, it makes me mindful about what is my relationship to my trainees and my responsibility and for my work. I start with what I do learn from how organizations behave in certain times, for example, in COVID-19 times. So I encourage them to go with the question, how did we came to that place? Why are we here at the moment and what is happening to us? So I think that for me, it is a useful question to stop, to slow down and find out what's going on. And that is what I'm giving back to trainees to say, Stay with your clients and encourage them to dive into the situation and think and help them or encourage them to think about what is actually really going on and what might be a next step. And that might be coming later, the next step. Even if organizations need to adapt and act quickly all the time because that's the way how they survive. I think TA is wonderful. And I think it's wonderful because... 
we can draw diagrams and we can draw circles and we can draw triangles and to describe almost anything that's going on. And, you know, this is so wonderful that we can find a language, an image to explain the most complex of phenomena. And when I started TA, I thought, oh, well, this might just be interesting for a while. I'll hang about with TA until it doesn't work anymore. Well, you know, that was about, I don't know, 40 or 50 years ago, and I'm still with TA. And I think it's because we keep drawing more diagrams and we keep drawing more circles and more triangles. And it's like we have a theory that is simple. And my golly, let's keep it simple. But it is also evolving and it constantly is changing. And I think those early simple diagrams that Eric Byrne drew that gave us so much insight are still fundamentally a a wonderful theory. I'm not suggesting we chuck that out the window, but we do have to update it. We do have to expand it to include these other dimensions that we're talking about the land dimension, the the ecological dimension, the we dimension that you're talking about, the responsibility dimension, all of these, I think, now explode into our diagrams so that we can carry on being transactional analysts in a vital way. I think our whole theory is really coming up for, you know, um, the test, the encounter, if you like, I can call it that in Giles's language here, because it's like the theory is deadening if we keep to the old models. And if we want to enliven the theory and to keep the TA vital and alive, we have to really update, I think, some of the, the models that we're using. So I think TA has to offer us a simple and creative way of looking at what's going on. Let's keep on using it. Giles. Yes, I'd like to build this up a little bit more. You know, Trudy had a paper published, The Health System, some years ago, and in it drew attention to the models, the diagrams, you know, that Adrian's talked about, but reminds us that all of those diagrams, those triangles and circles are only metaphors. They are ways of imagining what it's like. They are not the land itself. And, you know, I think we are in a process, we're always in a process of telling the story differently. And I think coming back to your question, Matt, about what might we as TA teachers, what stance might we take is on the one hand, and I'm going to say something which may seem contradictory. On the one hand, I think there needs to be something about one's presence, which is quite grounded and is quite steadfast. And it's not so much about promising certainty, but creating a certain landmark for, if you like, trainees, students, however we want to define them, that there's some stable reference point, but that the invitation is very open. If coming back to that idea, what I like to think that there is a provocative address that comes out of me. And because the trainer holds themselves in the world in a place of some surety that the student is able to claim for themselves how they want their future to be. So there's something certain about the containment that the teacher provides, 
but that there is not a prescription as to what use the student makes out of that space. So what I'm wanting to do here is on the one hand, honor the unique and distinctive quality of the teacher without it becoming, if you like, prescriptive of what the learning has to be. So I, I may well have a general teaching objective, but I have no interest in setting a learning objective. Therein lies an arrogance and a grandiosity beyond, beyond, beyond. And so I think there is, the contradiction is I'm saying I'm really uncertain what the student might make of my address. But I can be certain of who I am in my presence when I make that. And because I hope the quality of that address comes from an integrous place, one that is connected to myself, the place that I'm in, it might, it might just encourage the physis and the desire and the appetite to live again in the student. So I think in my context, for me, TA continues to be a philosophy and a way I live and accept the uncertainties of life and make meaning of my encounters, my experiences, and therefore the way I just become the person that the trainees or the students or the learners or even people who are seeing me as a practitioner, I just become somebody for them to observe and how I'm managing life and managing the way I manage the dynamism of uncertainty and allow what has to emerge for them make their own observances and allow what, you know, encourage them to make their meaning. And I really think for me, TA is now, you know, frankly, all these various fields, putting everything in different buckets and having, I think to me, well, the time has come for it to be much more macro. I'm mindful, Anna, that you were speaking about possibilities which emerged from the situation. And is that something, is that one of the possibilities that you have more opportunity to teach that to trainees and students, that uncertainty and that we need to find our place in that situation? Yeah. And that's yeah. why when Giles used the word surrender, you know, it touched me, it impacted me because it takes me back to that serenity prayer, which has meaning for me and it helps me, you know. Yeah, and um, the existential level is in Burns' work as well. So we and we, we, were, we were speaking about the existential uh, aspect of that situation. So that is a rich ground and rich opportunity and possibility for learn how we navigate uh, ourselves as counselors, educators, consultants, therapists through that situation. So um, we have a good example in a way. I'd like to just um, come back really to what Giles said really about physis, that we have in our theory an idea of growth and change that Eric Byrne called physis. He drew it on a script matrix diagram going from the beginning of the child ego state right from before birth, going right through, right beyond ego beyond those circles that represent the self. And he called it a, a force of nature that 
makes things grow and makes growing things more perfect. And it's like in a time of COVID when we see so much death and insecurity and loss of certainty and destruction, maybe that's where physis um, stirs in us and where we can enable maybe some new growth a new change. And my golly, Byrne talked about it. It's, it's there. So um, for me, that's one of the most important principles of TA that inspires me to be ultimately optimistic. We will survive. Trudy, I'm drawn to come back to uh, something you mentioned uh, ago. I think you said something to the effect of us uh, realizing that we're not in isolation by ourselves. Um, and when you said that, uh, the thing that popped into my book was Viktor Frankl yeah. um, and his book, uh, A Man's Search for Meaning, and how some of your, what you said there was echoing some of his philosophy and thinking um, about his internal relationship in what was a very difficult period for him. And I'm thinking about how we could use that at this time, maybe to understand how to navigate this isolation or difficulty. And yeah, I just wanted to touch back in what you had said there with that. Yes, thank you. I'm trying to remember something about Viktor Frankl, which is which won't quite come. But it's something about positivity. It's something I learned from my very first TA trainer 30 years ago, but unfortunately it's just disappeared. So yeah, I can see what you're saying with that. And I don't think there's anything I can add really. No, and I think it echoes Adrian's point as well about survival you know, and how we, we will make it through. Transference, that's what it was. It was when Victor Pankel was in the concentration camps. He was driven, actually, uh, by the motivators, Fanita English says, by Pasya, and that was passion. And every time there was brutality, what came to his mind was how he had this project of completing his manuscript. And that's actually what helped him cope because he had hoped he would, you know, come out of the concentration camps and he would finish his manuscript. Yes, I want to build on what Anna just said there about Frankel's motivation. Yes. Was to do more than survive. Yeah. And physis is, is discussed by other writers than Byrne. And we might describe physis as nature's capacity to appear of its own, which is different from the idea of manufactured creation. And uh, if you like, it's um, Cahill Gibran's got a beautiful phrase, talks about life's longing for itself. And that this, this indicates, as Frankel does, there's more to life than just surviving. It. He, he didn't want to just get out of the camp to save his life. No, he wanted to get out so he could flourish. That is what physis is about. There is obviously the survival instinct, but that is not physis. Physis is that part of us which is determined to blossom. Physis is what leads to the harvest. And I think that that sometimes gets lost in Byrne's talk. Byrne was ambivalent when he talks about physis. Thank goodness he does. But what he then starts to pay attention to is the threat to physis. And so I just want to put a bid in. If we are to survive this, it won't be simply or purely to have survived it. 
it will be to blossom. I agree, Giles. I finished my, my note on survival, but I know that there is more than survival. And I'm interested to hear that you call it blossoming and harvest. But I'm moved by Viktor Frankl's work when he determined that whatever was done to his body in those camps, whatever tortures he received, it was his power to determine what meaning he made of that. That they could not, they could not touch that part of his spirit that actually could make his own, I don't know what to say, sense of it is, sense isn't quite the right word, his own self of this. <laughs> that they couldn't take that self away, they couldn't take that growth away. And it's how he touched that, and he describes in the book how, how one, of the, one of the people in the concentration camp can see a tree and how she mm. looks at that tree. And that becomes um, not just an image, not just a metaphor, but some way in which she taps into the essence of life and of physis to enable her to survive. I think it really comes back to a lot of what you've been saying, Giles, about eco-TA and and uh, God bless you. I hope it flourishes. And I think that is part of how TA theory needs to expand to keep our spirit engaged. So folks, this might be a good time to wrap up the discussion. But as a parting word, we might just go around each person one by one and uh, just ask to sum up how you've experienced this discussion. Well, I've, I've experienced this as very rich. I had no idea what to expect, but I think it's really been exciting to take part in it. But I'm really, more than anything else, I'm really curious for, to hear what you two have to say about what you think and whether this is what you hoped for or do you want us to do it all over again or what? <laughs> I'm just really curious to know. Yeah, we can discuss that in a minute. Let's go around everybody and then we can do that at the end. Okay. For me, I'm starting for myself to say COVID-19 is a systemic event and I was, I was following the path of Anna about the possibilities and Giles offered one possibility. So I'm, I'm, I'm sitting with that word, what might emerge and we don't know and it's not, there's no need that there's something it has fully developed and all that stuff. But there's something is developing and emerging. And I think that is what I'm taking from that, from our conversation. I've um, enjoyed this meeting and of being just spontaneous in the process with you, trusting it, um, maybe even submitting, surrendering to just the process of being with you. And I'm feeling very deeply moved, actually, by our talking together. It's been very powerful. And so the word that I'm left with is gratitude. And, and when I worded that to myself about what word I'm left with, it sort of reverberated in me. So beyond this uh, screen where I can see all your faces and this dialogue that we've been having together, which I do feel grateful for, is to, the gratitude seems to be kind of flowing out there into, into the whole um, the globe for all that we do have and for, and for this wonderful opportunity for learning. Gratitude's my word. So I came in with 
not knowing what, again, with uncertainty and the only awareness that in a way I was the other among all of you. And yet after this discussion, I just am left with a feeling of human connectedness and connectedness, you know, about nature and cohabitating. So I feel a deep sense of calm. And for me, when there's calm, I just, whatever is emerging is emerging. I'm willing to go with the flow. That's beautiful, Anna, beautiful. Um, I'm also feeling quite moved in this last half hour particularly. And I know this sounds, again, a little odd, but I've, I also felt as though I've been a bit of the other in mm. not coming from a field today, um, but coming from a movement which is embryonic. It is a seed that has only just been planted. And God, I am quite moved by this because, um, because um, the, the, the word that comes to mind or the idea that comes to mind for me is that I feel seen or rather metaphorically, this material that I'm sharing with you feels as though it's been seen and seen for the first time and that it's been accepted. And so I think about, you know, if, if symbolically this thing called ecological TA can be seen and accepted, that's, um, that, that's really important. It's very important to me personally, but I think it could be extraordinarily important. So, yeah, being, being seen. Thank you. Great. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for partaking. I think that was a hugely moving and touching discussion, um, certainly for me, for me to witness. I feel privileged to have been a part of it. Mm. Um, and, and to witness it is, it's been amazing so thank you very much for coming on um, on the podcast and sharing that with us what a journey I was writing notes as I was going along and the movement from talking about solutions and fixing problems almost it just continued to expand to learning and talking about the planet and then the existential and surrendering serenity and awareness and then crisis and I just that whole journey and the energy and the passion I thought it was, was was a wonderful journey yeah, yeah. and we're really yeah. thankful for your time as well it's great yeah. and I'm really excited about getting stuck in and getting this out there <laughs> yeah I just know so many people are going to listen to this and be so inspired not just yeah. from within our community but from beyond so um yeah I thank you genuinely mm. thank you it was thank it you. was beautiful to move in response to you trudy it, it it was exquisite actually to to see it meander and the 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 different concepts to emerge and for you to challenge each other and 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 to be that to be done in a really respectful way um and to share your thoughts and to go on a journey together that that's that's really sums it up for me i thought it was brilliant mm. so i'm really exciting uh, like matt said to, to get it out there and mm. let people listen to it mm. yeah but rich <laughs> rich material very rich yeah mm. so thank, thank you. you thank you yeah You're very thank welcome you. thank you thank you and i'm Bye. sure we'll be in touch again yeah I'll speak to you all soon Thank you. Okay. See you. Bye. 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 Bye now. As always, if you found anything in today's episode interesting, 
please feel free to reach out. You can visit our website, which has lots of information and TA resources, at transactionalanalysispodcast.com. You can connect with us on all major platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can email us at threepeopleinyourhead at gmail.com using the number three rather than the word. If you aren't already, please follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And we'd be really grateful if you could leave a review. Thanks for listening. Thank you.